Hey, and welcome to Dot Grid, the uh, podcast that's at the intersection of digital and analog. I am your host with the most with a friend on each coast, uh, Will Fangi, and tonight I am joined not only by my normal co-host, but by a good friend of ours. Uh, first of all, Mr. Andy Welfley, how are things out there in uh, almost San Francisco? San Francisco-ish? They're good. We, we call it the peninsula because apparently people don't say Silicon Valley anymore, except on TV shows. So uh, I'm good here, and I would like to take exception to the uh, to your to the normal co-host thing. To I, the normal, well, I'm not, you are I'm not, not generally normal. My, you're my standard everyday. Uh, gotcha. You're I'm my regular. Your, I'm your well, EDC regular, co-host. Yes, my regular <laughs> co-host. Um, and Andy, I'm excited because oh, yeah. we are joined. Yeah, I know it's it, it doesn't take a lot. Um, we are joined this evening by our first guest here on Dot Grid, which um, hopefully is. I tell you what, I can already tell this is going to set the bar remarkably high for any future guest down the road. No pressure. Uh, we are joined from the lovely state of New Jersey by Mr. Harry Marks. Harry, are you, how are you uh, this evening? Oh, I'm just dandy. How are you, gentlemen? Very good. I'm excited to talk to you in person. It's been a few years definitely. since we've been online contacts. So, yeah, uh, definitely. I, I guess I, we're still I online, listen- but. <laughs> I listen to you every every week or two on uh, Erasable too, and I, and I listen to this show as well. So it's awesome. very cool to talk to you guys in person. Yeah. Well, this is we, we you are I guess the first and um, we won't say only, but you're the first official friend of the podcast. I believe there has been a Harry Marks mention in at least two of our three prior episodes. The last episode was named after you, so <laughs> it was probably a good reason for us to have you in here. And I appreciate that because I knew what the episode was about then. And yes, we- and. It was very much about some markdown. Harry yes. is my my favorite grumpy internet person. I think when uh when you're when you tirade about things like uh, crazy episode titles of things, which I'm totally guilty of sometimes. And, yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I I tell you, I just got so sick of the tech podcast scene and <laughs> like the 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 punny in jokes and yeah. the the sycophantic guest host or guest <laughs> whatever on each other's show. I was, uh, I'm, I was over it. So, but yeah. anywho, yeah. Is now a bad time to mention that I run a podcast network with two podcasts where guests constantly cross host each other's. <laughs> is that a, is that a bad? Well, I'm not set? talking about you guys. <laughs> everyone, oh, right, else, no. everyone else. <laughs> yeah, everybody else. No, I did. Yeah. We, no, we don't count. We're outside of the, of the realm of normalcy there. Um, I would say we're under, under the radar, under the realm of normalcy. Yeah, under under the under radar the realm of that, normalcy. That's an episode title. No, it's not because <laughs> Harry no. would never allow for that. Um, we, we should we should let Harry name the episode at the end. Well, Harry has to know that, uh, and I don't guess I don't have to refer to you in the third. Harry, you should know that um, we it's are like doing... I'm sitting in the doctor's office and you're talking to my wife. Like I'm <laughs> sitting right here. You can tell me I have some terminal illness. <laughs> Harry How are we today, Mister? What Marks? should I know? Um, <laughs> That we do our best to mention at least one other person in the show title. That way that person can feel some sort of sense of importance, even if they're not. Uh, not that you're not important. That was probably uh, – you're never coming back, are you? <laughs> Just alienate the no, guest I'll... in the first five minutes. Good, good job. Right. I have nowhere else to go. <laughs> well, and, and that's funny because um, that is uh, a great lead into, as a matter of fact, you do have somewhere else to go. I want to make sure that we mention this not just once, but as many times as we can. Not only is Harry a talented, whatever he does for his day job, and a talented author, which we'll talk more about later, um, but in the, I think you used the word psychophantic, but just psychophantic, I don't know, whatever, that big <laughs> word that as an English teacher I should know about people cross-hosting each other's podcast, Harry is also the host of a podcast. Harry, tell us a little bit more about Covered. 
Uh, Covered is a show where I talk to authors about their books and the writing process. That is um, awesome. We're about, yeah, we're about seven episodes in. I'm recording the eighth episode this Sunday with the author Courtney Alameda. She has a new book out called Shuttered, uh, or Shutter, I'm sorry. Um, hmm. And it's a, a YA paranormal horror book, and it's absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. Um, I cannot get through it fast enough. It is just really, really cool. Hmm. Um, it's all about the, the Van Helsing bloodline and... Um, vampires and ghosts and stuff, and it's not something I normally would have picked up to read, but I'm really glad I did because it's it's just terrific. There's some good YA books out there now, dude. Young adult novels have become my literary crack, yeah. um, and I I go ahead I write them off and say that they're a uh, like a professional development experience because uh, you know I teach young adult <laughs> novels to young adults, but oh yeah, there have that's, been that just means oh, you can write them off on your taxes. Well, yeah, if, I, I don't pay for them, Andy. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh God. And I, 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 when you think about it, you know, some of the most popular books in literature are technically YA or, or new adult novels. You know, To Kill a Mockingbird, Catcher in the Rye. Mm. Those would t- today, under our literary marketing guidelines, would be classified as young adult. Mm. Um, the another great one I read uh, last year was um, Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell, which is heartbreaking and terrific, and it's set in the 1980s. Um, and it's about these two kids in school who who start off as enemies and then get together and they end up forming a, a relationship. And it's absolutely terrific. I to the people who write off young adult as uh, a lesser genre, um, you know, to the Jonathan Franzens of the world, uh, <laughs> you know, you you really don't know what you're talking about because there's some great literature out there. Yeah. And and kids are still buying books. The book fair is at one of my middle schools this week, and I hear and again I teach a special breed of student for the most part. But I have students that are talking about breaking open piggy banks so they have enough money to go to the book fair. And as an English teacher, uh, and hopefully Harry is an author, but th- this should hopefully this warms your heart because you you think to yourself, you know, and we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't be doing the things that we're doing were it not for technology and some of the great things that are you know really becoming more prevalent in everyday life. But I love to hear a kid say, man, I can't wait to get over to the book fair. Mr. Fengi, can I go to the book fair, blah, blah, I mean, I would interrupt the middle of my class and go to book fair. Please <laughs> just come back with a book and not like some oh, yeah. weird fart machine. And <laughs> last year last year, I went to uh, BookCon at the Javits Center in New York, and they it, w- what BookCon was was um, the consumer side of uh, the Book Expo America, which is a, a vendor and author specific event um for bookstores to go and peruse the wares of like penguin and random uh, penguin random house and simon and schuster and all that um, and just to get a look at what's coming out and what's out now so they did a consumer side called book con where you got to sit in on panels with authors or have something have books signed by authors and also see what different uh publishing companies were putting out in the coming months um and you know, waiting online, I got there very early in the morning so I could get online and and get in the door quickly. Um, and I saw kids, like teenagers, all over the place, and almost I would say ninety five percent of them all had paper books. Very hmm. few, if any, actually had an e reader. I saw one girl with an e reader, and she was having authors sign the cover <laughs> for the e reader. Um, wow. But I saw kids with paper books all over the place. The adults had, like, iPads and Kindles and stuff. But the kids, and my guess is, A, it's cheaper than, you know, asking for a Kindle or an iPad or whatever. Um, And also, it's probably better for them to tote around. They don't have to worry about breaking anything. Um, Yeah. And they don't have, and, you know, 
you're 13 years old, you don't have a credit card. So, you know, buying <laughs> stuff on Amazon probably isn't that easy without going through your parents. So, uh, but it was absolutely great to see. They're sitting on the floor reading all sorts of different books. I saw some Harry Potters, Divergent, Hunger Games. Um, you know, I don't care what they were reading. It was just great to see it. Maze Runner. I Maze know Runner. just a movie. Yep. Oh my gosh, the series is the series was my spring break about two years ago. So Maze uh, if yeah, if you're looking for a young adult series that is um, sort of reminiscent, uh, well, I'm a huge fan of uh, dystopian fiction, and that is another one of those novels where things like, pardon the shit has just fallen apart, <laughs> and. <laughs> And it is uh, it's a four part series. There's three books and then a prequel, so I guess that makes it the fourth book. And it's uh, it's all very very well done. Um, in addition to hosting a podcast about authors, Harry Marks is a, an author himself. So um, we are gonna do well. We're not. We'll have a list of Harry's novels in here. We're doing the best we can to try to find a way to get copies into the hand of hands of all of our wonderful listeners. Harry, you want to tell us a little bit more about um, some of the things that you've written and. I don't know some of the uh, some of the ways that we might be able to find that in case we are interested because I can already tell you that there are going to be people that are like I want to hear more from this Harry Marks guy, um, and that would be fantastic. Uh, the only thing is I'm not self-publishing anything. I am I've written three novels so far. I've just started my fourth, um, but I the first two have been shelved indefinitely. Uh, the first two would probably be classified as new adult. Um, for those uninitiated, new adult is a genre or a category uh, set for, like, 18 to 25-year-olds. Um, so between adult and, and young adult fiction. Um, and I've been, I queried those for a while, got nothing but rejections. Um, and I don't, I don't blame them. The first novel was a first novel in every sense of the word. Uh, <laughs> and my second one, while better, wasn't as marketable as... Uh, the rest of the stuff that was being published in that genre. This third novel has gotten some really good feedback from agents. Uh, still a rejection. I've actually only gotten one rejection on this, one hard rejection on this. However, the feedback in it was phenomenal and said that she couldn't find anything, quote, wrong with it. It just wasn't her cup of tea. Um, oh, that, but that's she, the kind of feedback you don't want to see. Well, it's, it, you know, it, it just wasn't her, something she normally would represent, yeah. but she didn't she she said it was smartly written. Um, mm. I've got talent. She said, and agents usually don't say this unless they mean it. She said, if you um, have anything else in the future to submit, please do, nice. which is great to hear. Heck yeah. Um, it just wasn't for her, and that's fine. It, you know, this is this is part taste and part business. So you know, the the agent needs to be enthusiastic and be into what they're representing to the publisher, and that's totally fine. It's nothing personal. And I I follow her on Twitter. We talk all the time on Twitter. Um, so you know, no hard feelings at all. It's 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 a business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have absolutely no interest in self-publishing these. I I want to be published traditionally. I want to see my book in a bookstore. And while I know that you know some publishers may go ebook only, I've heard that left and right. You know, I have a much better shot of being in a Barnes and Noble by going traditional. So well, that's what I'm doing now. One of the first um, experiences I've had with listening to you on a podcast was when you were on Enough with Patrick Rohn talking about that. 
that was that was good because it was it was a very like civil debate between self publishing and not self and traditional publishing. So and yeah. and I've changed my tune a little bit to that since then because um, I, I I'm friends with a lot of self publishers or hybrid publishers who you know they'll self publish some things and traditionally publish others um, and you know, there's no correct path it's whatever works for you. Yeah. Uh, but from what I've seen to traditionally publish properly, you know, to do a really good cover to have it formatted and edited properly. You got to spend some money and I just don't have that money to spend. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, a lot of self publishers are able to churn out books every couple of months, every, you know, maybe three or four times a year and they can get, keep their name and, and reputation up on Amazon. I don't write that way. My books take a year or two to, to get through at least. So, uh, you know, I, I can't stay on that kind of schedule. So for me, you know, I don't care. I'm not doing this as a day job. It's a hobby for me. It's a it's a passion. Yeah. But it's not something I'm like I need to be published right now and uh, by any means possible. It's just you know when it happens, it happens. I tell you what, I re- I want to get into the um, Amazon self published uh, erotica game. Uh, I've did you listen? To, did you share that podcast with me, Harry? Is that where I heard it? There's a there's a podcast. They interviewed three um, like slash fiction slash erotica writers on Amazon. On, oh God! On, like, I, I don't Kindle know if it was store. me. I would have listened. Oh, I would have listened to that, and I don't remember listening to that. It's fascinating. Like somebody just will just write just outrageous stuff. They talk about how they sort of like skirt the line of incest, which is interesting. Oh um, well, have you have you read the dinosaur erotica? Do dinosaur yes, erotica yes, they, has they, become the thing? Apparently, they, my wife has a degree in journalism, <laughs> and she's like, I got into the wrong field. I think if I dinosaur, had just got into dinosaur erotica, <laughs> I think the dinosaur erotica uh, author was on that on that podcast. I I need a I need to pull that up. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go find the links to put in show notes. That uh, sounds wonderful. Speaking of which, uh, Will, where, where does one go to find the show notes for this episode? Um, oh, show notes! I see what you did there. That that's what we call a <laughs> softball toss. Thanks, Heck Andy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can go to uh, nerduprising.co/slash/dotgrid/slash/four. Uh, I can't believe we're only four episodes into this. I feel like I've known you for the vast majority of my life now, which is weird and probably not something I should have released into the public sphere. So let's move on faster. Um, so Harry, that you're my hero. <laughs> sorry, and we continue the streak of at this least the one worst of our Midler impression I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and that's saying something too, because just, just wait till I'm in drag; it gets a lot better. Oh. Awesome. This night's <laughs> going to be so great. This is becoming the greatest. Hey, well, this provides a wonderful segue. Andy, you're drinking, aren't you? I, I am. I, I was late, as we talked about earlier. I, I'm still learning the ins and outs of public transportation, and I, uh, I arrived home about 10 minutes later than I wanted to start recording. And my amazing partner in life, uh, my wife Katie, had a gin and tonic waiting for me, which is amazing. Still so, drinking that good gin, too, aren't you? Drinking the good gin. Yeah. I, uh... I do, am, do you guys have any I, podcasting supplies right now? I, yeah, I forgot that that's what I'm – yeah, I, Harry, that's what I call them is podcasting supplies. It makes me feel good in my heart. Like, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, don't, I don't drink when I – like I might have a thing of water. I never drink when I'm doing a podcast. And not, I just, I'm not a, a huge drinker, yeah. but I am enjoying a, a little snifter of uh, bullet bourbon. So. Ooh, nice. My, well, it's good stuff. I got started with uh, uh, Johnny Gamber. He is the ultimate uh, – he's the pencil ultimate – uh, podcast drinkers so he kind of started our little like segment in erasable where we talk about what we're drinking and writing with and he he always has some wild turkey on hand i, I have a very disappointing uh farmhouse red by blue moon it just basically just tastes like a less flavored blue moon <laughs> uh, 
it was on sale and better than um, your typical light lager. So that's what I went with. I'm not thrilled by it, but then again, it it, it gets the job done. That being uh, keeping my whistle wet and making me a little bit more socially lubricated. Um, <laughs> let's not make that an episode title. Um, <laughs> the reason that we invited Harry to be on here, besides the fact that he is a spectacular author and wonderful podcast host. is Hey, I don't have to sit here and take this. <laughs> You don't, but it's only going to get better the more I have to drink. Okay, carry right. on. <laughs> uh, Harry is, again, not just a, an author and a podcast host, but he is also one who has experience with our topic for this week, which is um, converting the analog to digital, because, again, we are the analog digital podcast. Um, we spent a lot of time last week talking about ways to write and mark down, ways to do things digitally. We were very digital heavy last week. So Andy and I discussed, or two weeks ago, I guess, Andy and I discussed maybe um, going back to our original roots and our original idea and making it a little bit more of a crossover episode. And Harry is sort of, uh, we, I don't know, um, I don't know if we'll call you an expert, sir, but we'll say you are one who has more than, than dabbled in the art. If I remember correctly, at least one, if not more than one of your novels has been written by hand in addition to electronic. Uh, I would call that an expert. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like one and a third. Yeah, but yeah. The, the whole um, Luminous, the one that I'm acquiring out now, my third book, uh, was completely written by hand, the first draft. That's amazing. Well, I'm just going to start with the obvious question. Why? A <laughs> uh, couple reasons. Mainly, A, it allows me... So, I actually have a draft of a, a another novel that I sort of put to the back burner sitting in my typewriter at home, um, and I decided to switch off to this other one because it was a, an idea that I wanted to run with, um, and I started writing it by hand mainly because it was easier. You know, I could sit in the back of a coffee shop or in a Barnes and & Noble and or at my desk at work um, and not need my personal laptop out. You know, it was something I could just do whenever. I could do it on the train. Um, it was it was easier, uh, and I wanted also to slow down. You know, when I write, I use Scrivener as my main application on my Mac to write, um, and going from what's in my head to what's on the screen, I don't always like what I write. I, I think it, it's too I that whole stream of consciousness consciousness thing. Um, I don't like the quality of what comes out. I like to be able to slow down and think about my words before I commit them to the page and not to a, to an obsessive degree, but enough to value what's going on the page more. And it, I think it resulted in a cleaner first draft than I've written before. Um, so for me, that was, that was the big thing I wanted to do was slow down and focus on what I was putting down on the page um, and also, you know, that time between, you know, writing a paragraph or a few lines and then thinking about what I'm writing next, your brain is always working, uh, working out new plot points, uh, maybe fixing a plot point that you were worried about that you had already written. So it was it was just a, a better experience for me all around. And also, I really like enjoying seeing the, the I really like seeing progress. Uh, you know, the pages get thicker, the, 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 the number of pages gets thicker, you know, that what started out as a, a couple of pages of, of handwritten novel ended up turning into about a half inch thick, half a Moleskine, a notebook. So yeah, there's something about having that tangible presence that yeah. you can say, you, well, and um, I know and that I didn't have to worry about Scrivener screwing up a sink or anything. <laughs> you know, I always had a physical copy of the book. God forbid something happened to my computer or Dropbox screwed up a, a file or corrupted something. I had a physical copy on hand. And, you know, anything can happen. I could get lost in a fire or a flood or whatever. But I, I felt more 
comfortable having that in my hand than I did worrying whether Scrivener synced it properly. Well, and I, and, uh, Andy, oh, sorry, I remember. No, that's okay. Uh, I remember you and uh, and Johnny and Tim talking on Erasable back uh, during NanoRimo about uh, writing and having those that that tangible copy and something about being able to at the end of the day say, you know, I wrote this many words and it's not just here's a word count, but here are the pages that I actually filled. Um, oh yeah. And there's something about you know, there's something satisfying about saying. Um, you know, this is what I did today. That's one of the reasons why I, I love having this Hobonichi is because it's got the one page and at the end of the day or at the end of the week, I can flip back and go, okay, well, I might have missed Tuesday and Thursday, but I did what I needed to do and filled in the entire page for one of these days. It's, it's, there's something about being able to see it and it's so much more than, than ones and zeros because, okay, I created a new text file, what's the big deal? But hey, look at this thing. I put some sort of ink or graphite or some sort of, you know, actual physical impression on this piece of paper this is a thing that this is a thing that exists and it's and it's even you know filling up a moleskin with a single project even more so than like you know filling up your your field notes with a bunch of notes like you know you have kind of one stream of i really dislike using the word content but uh just one stream of content like one project going into that notebook is pretty amazing um Harry, I know that uh, you mentioned this when you wrote um, you wrote a thing in, in The Cramped. Um, I wrote a novel by hand, which was pretty fantastic back in September. Um, oh, but thank I, you. But I'm, uh, I'm wondering, just as, a, um, as somebody who's very interested in the tools, and I know in the, in the long run this doesn't really matter, I'd, I'd be interested in knowing the notebook and the uh, utensil that you used for this. Uh, you know, I used to think the tools didn't matter, but I, uh, I used to teach guitar and bass and uh, saxophone at my parents' music studio. And, um, you know, technically the tools shouldn't matter, but they, they kind of do. I, yeah. would, I would never give a child a first-act guitar from, from Toys R Us if they want to learn guitar. I would <laughs> give them something that actually sounds good because if the instrument doesn't sound good, then you don't want to use it. You don't want to play. You don't want to practice. Yeah. And I feel the same way about the tools I use to write. I love working on my typewriter because it's fun to use. It's exciting to use. It's, it looks cool. It sounds great. It's, you know, aside from all the, the slowing down and everything, it's just a fun tool to use. And where, where I get into the I don't care what I use kind of thing, I know like on Erasable and the Pen Addict and stuff, everyone's very big into paper types and what works with what pen. Um, and for me, that didn't matter so much. I had this large Moleskine notebook, um, the the eight and a half by eleven size, um, that I wasn't really using to its full potential. I had some notes in it and some random stuff, and then I decided, well, I want to use this notebook. This is probably the perfect way to use it to, mm. to work to write a novel in it because it was big and I could spread it across my lap, and I wasn't you know cramped into like a field note size kind of thing trying to squeeze words on a page. Yeah. So I used that combined with a a Pilot High Tech C, which is um, uh, Japanese or Chinese Chinese Japanese. Um, uh, what is the Pilot? I, I think it's Japanese. Let I think go. it's Japanese. Um, it, it probably is Japanese. I because the joy one of the joys of working in Midtown Manhattan is um, I have very easy access to the Kino Kuniya store on Sixth yeah. uh, Avenue, I, I, um, right I, across from Bryant Park. When I come visit, I need to go there. Yeah, it's amazing. You go down their de- their top floor is uh or their their main floor is all books. Um their second floor is all notebooks and pens and mm. that kind of stuff. And their pen selection is amazing. I actually sent Patrick Rona a care package of uh various sizes of pilot pilot high tech Cs. Wow. Um but I use a, a 0.3 millimeter, which allowed me to get about 500 words on the page. Yeah. Um so that 
that that pen is an absolutely it's an absolute joy to use. It's smooth. Um, I don't have to worry about it stopping or stuttering or anything like that. So th- those were mainly what I used to write the novel. I know that you dabbled in pencil, although it I did didn't Palomino so well. Blackwing. No, you know, it's, I was watching a documentary on HBO about Stephen Sondheim, and he's an, he he loves the Palomino Blackwings because yeah. he loves to have to sharpen it every six seconds, <laughs> and that is the exact reason I hated using the, the 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 pencil is because it took me out of the moment. It took I I had to worry about um, the. The line's getting too thick because the nub got smaller. Yeah. So I I switched back to pen after a couple of pages. I just couldn't take it anymore. And you used a um used the all black one with the gold accents, right? You didn't use the gray six oh two. No, I use I used the six oh two. That oh, was probably did. my downfall because it's a it's a softer pencil. Well, the the black the jet black one, the MMX as we call it, because it was released in two thousand ten. Um, that mm-hmm. one is actually softer than the gray one. But is uh, it really? Yeah, it, it didn't feel that way to me. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it's interesting. I can totally see. Like I, I don't write a lot of longhand things, but I can I can see that just really getting in the way, especially if you didn't have like a really nice long point sharpener on hand, like a desktop type sharpener. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I can I can see I can see that, and I totally understand. I think we had a conversation about that in the Erasable Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, did you like? It's funny that you wrote this on uh, a website called The Cramped because that's exactly what i'm feeling in my hand for sympathy sympathy pains for you right now how um how how was that just like you know the the comfort of your hand did you kind of train it and get used to it is your is your writing hand much bigger than your other hand now i well yeah but that never mind you don't want to know why that hand's bigger (laughs) but uh it it was a little difficult at first i wasn't used to writing for pages and pages so my my hand would cramp um but after a while I got used to it. The pen helps a lot, um, and you know I've been trying to use a fountain pen to to outline the um, the the book I'm working on now. And I was I'm using a Midori Traveler's notebook because uh, I want to collect all my notebooks in one spot. I don't have to worry about multiple notebooks all over my bag. Um, and I love the Traveler's notebook, but yeah. the 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 default Traveler's notebook paper isn't the most fountain pen friendly. Um, when it comes to, I'm using a, a Pilot Metropolitan with a fine nib, um, and the mm-hmm. ink doesn't dry as quickly as I would like. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of the fountain pen is it's so smooth, I don't have to apply a lot of pressure, so that helps with the wrist pain. Um, and that was the same thing with the High Tech C, because it was so effortless to use, I didn't have to press as hard as I would with like a ballpoint or anything. That makes so, sense, yeah. Uh, that, that helped a lot. And then after a while, you just get so focused on the actual writing and what you want to get out of your head, you don't even realize what you're doing until you, you know, the page is filled and it's like, Oh, I just did that. How I'm sorry, Andy, go ahead. Um, I was just going to mention, um, I know eventually we want to try to do an episode about handwriting. Um, but I'd, I'd sort of be interested to know I have atrocious handwriting and part of it is because I sort of like write in lazy cursive. I just sort of adapted (laughs) over the years. Um, may I ask, do you, do you print, do you write cursive? How do you, how do you do it? I do a weird hybrid. I have, I sort of have this. Um, I have sociopathic handwriting. I'm <laughs> there. I, it is. There's the episode <laughs> title. I yeah. have sociopathic handwriting. Yeah. So uh. what that means is I I'm very big on like analyzing people's handwriting and trying to uh, sort of take it on myself. 
Um, so I will like my dad is a big inspiration for my handwriting, and I would watch the way he formed a letter, <laughs> and I would try to I would work on it like the way he formed a letter because I love the shape of it and the curve and everything. I would do it that way over and over and over again until it was my letter, um, and then I would see other people writing by hand, and I would try to do the same thing. So. I, I sort of take on all these different personalities of handwriting uh, <laughs> as I go along. Uh, I've got so a my writing I'm when I'm writing really. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, when I'm writing quickly, you know, it's not chicken scratch, but it's not the most legible. Um, when I'm printing, I usually print in all caps, um, small, you know, uh, large caps and small caps, but yeah. all capitalized, and it's very clean, very, very. Um, precise and nicely written, but when I'm like mine, if you look at the the, the pages in the Maleskina notebook, um, it's pretty, you know, it's not the easiest thing to read. Gotcha. Yeah, it really resonates with me when you say that you drew when you draw a lot of inspiration from your your father's handwriting because that is probably the reason why I started writing in all caps uh, the the same way that you do. I uh, mm-hmm. do do big caps and small caps, um, which by the way drives my students up the wall. <laughs> um, I, I that's what I do the most of the time. But if I'm I'm writing on the uh, especially if I'm writing on the whiteboard quickly, I have a tendency to go from all caps to um, regular print back to all caps um, within a within a sentence or even within a word. But the reason that I started writing in all caps in the first place was because my dad did, and I was always very impressed by how uh, how clean and how organized and how ordered his handwriting looked. Um, Speaking of Andy, I, I I have this card here that I got from you this week. Thank you again for uh, your care package, by the way. Um, you your handwriting is not as bad as you make it out to be. The lazy <laughs> script is definitely a way to put that. You also go in between caps and not caps, even within like you have the. I do when I when I slow down, like when I'm writing a little card or something like that, or when I know that it's going to be read by somebody other than me. I do try to clean it up a little bit, but. Um, I will attempt to take a picture of one of the pages of my current field notes right now, so you can you can see it. I um, so I'm I'm left-handed, which is a very convenient excuse, even though it's not a real excuse for bad handwriting. Um, but I I uh, my mother is a was a kindergarten teacher for a long time, and she has very clean, very nice handwriting, but it's printing. And my father is a uh, RN, and he writes a lot of. It's kind of like a doctor, you know. He writes a lot of things very quickly. Uh, and he he's terrible handwriting, um, so it's it's kind of I think I just kind of took on his handwriting and just just it just got worse over the years. Um, and I it's ironic I have a show about writing utensils, but I'm I have a pretty terrible terrible script. You yeah. can enjoy writing even if it looks it's horrible true. or sociopathic. Um, <laughs> speaking of taking pictures of those things. Um, I can assume, Mr. Marks, that at some point you probably did that with uh, the pages of the Moleskine because what good is it to write in print if agents aren't necessarily taking it that way anymore? Did you have a particular method from getting it from the notebook um, onto the computer? Were you Did you scan it and use optical character recognition? Did you uh, manually type one to the other? How, how did that work? Before you, manu- before you say that, I just need to point out to both of you that I'm hoping you're enjoying your, your fancy brandies and ports because you say moleskin very very fancy <laughs> i i had seen the pronunciation written out on a website maybe it was moleskinery.com which is yeah. still around yeah um but it was uh it, the way they they spelled it out phonetically was moleskina and that's how i've been pronouncing it ever since that's a good way to do it that's what you probably shouldn't do yeah. um but i manually typed it 
from the printed from the printed page into Scrivener, um, and I did that for for one reason was that that was an editing round for me. Yeah. So in, uh, I would type it in, and I wouldn't type it in exactly as I had originally written it because I would be like, "Nah, I was probably drunk when I wrote that passage," <laughs> or it happens uh, all I, the time. I hate it. I actually wrote an entire chapter knowing I was going to change it later. Like I wrote the entire thing going halfway through like this sucks. This is not how I want this to go, but I'm going to finish it this way. And then when I get it back into Scrivener, I'm going to change the entire thing anyway. Um, but yeah, that was that was an editing round for me because with my last two books, I printed them out um, on, from the computer. I bought a laser printer specifically to print them out and then edit in red pen, which then I manually type those edits back into um, Scrivener. So for me, there's always an analog component of it, whether I'm handwriting it or whether I'm printing it out to write on it with a red pen. Uh, there's always an analog piece to it. What um, red pen do you use? As an English uh, teacher, geeks. I am I'm legally required to ask you what red pen you use or what red ink you use. Uh, I use or prefer, the, I guess. I prefer. Well, I prefer to find or point than what I use to get the notes in. But I actually use. I had a, a Pilot Metropolitan Medium nib with diamine blood ink mm. and you're a fan of the diamine blood? that is my ink ever it's the it's the only ink i actually own right now i absolutely adore this ink then that's going to be my next purchase going to go tell you that right now i um i met with uh the gentleman stationer here a couple weeks ago i won't give his real name uh but i met with a gentleman stationer here a couple weeks uh he uh runs a pen and ink blog that dabbles a little bit in pencils as well that we will put a link to in the show notes uh he is just down the road from me in franklin and he knew that i had just gotten my second fountain pen which uh, conveniently also a pilot metropolitan we are a pilot metropolitan friendly podcast this evening yeah Um, they're they're fantastic pens for 15 bucks you can't go wrong they're absolutely terrific and before i go into this ink thing i was going to ask you earlier when you first mentioned it i have a medium nib in this one and it it is not a remarkable Remarkably strong line. How fine is the fine nib on that? Uh, it's a pretty thin. It's a pretty thin line. I prefer thin lines only because I want to squeeze as much on the page as possible. Um, you know, I have a um, I have a set of calligraphy pens that I, I've been teaching myself Spencerian script, and those I can get really <laughs> thick. Um, yeah, that's that, yeah, I'm a nerd. So no, you, uh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. Then you you belong with us, sir. If you're a nerd, then that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Come sit at I, our table. Uh, <laughs> that's great I, I have friends um <laughs> I, I i never liked a thick pen i like italic nibs just for the style of it but i, I never liked thick nibs the the fine nib on the metropolitan is is pretty fine not not high tech c fine but it's it's a fine line i prefer something in a in about a 0.5 matter of fact anytime i'm going out to purchase pens anymore i'm looking for a for a 0.5 size i've got some pilot g2s here and a pilot juice that i bought with with my first fountain pen uh from jet the, I had to hit the had to hit the minimum of the ship for free shipping, and I was like, "Well, that just seems like a wonderful reason to get a Pilot Juice." <laughs> the the precise V five from Pilot was my favorite pen for the longest time. The the point five millimeter there. Oh yeah, those, en- those precises are nice. I enjoy the point five. Um, but back to the red ink. I I met with him at uh, at a local pub style establishment not too far from where both of us live, and he and I did a pencil exchange as all nerds do in bars. And uh, it's like he, a challenge coin in the military. Like you can't you can't meet up without exchanging some pencils, which we did, and it was wonderful. And he knew that I had just stepped into the fountain pen world, and in order to apparently drive me off the deep end, he told me he was going to bring me some ink samples. He didn't just bring me some ink samples; he brought me eight ink samples. Wow. 
Um, which is wonderful. I've got there. Uh, most of them are in the. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the Goulet pens ink drop, where they send the samples out once mm. a month. Um, I have eight of those bottles that are anywhere between a quarter to two thirds of the way filled, and I am looking forward to running out of black ink in this pilot metropolitan and being able to fill it up with uh, all sorts of stuff from uh, from diamine to. I've, oh, there's some noodlers in there that I'm particularly excited about. So I, I'm looking forward to Red Pen. I am, again, legally required to carry one as a certified English teacher. Uh, I really wish I had one with an italic nib so that I could just – There's, I take no greater joy than bleeding good red ink all over someone's cheap notebook paper written essay. <laughs> yeah, this this is called oxblood for a reason. My I got some on my hands one night uh, cleaning out the pen, and my wife came to me and was like, what did you do? And she <laughs> thought I had cut myself open. And – I everything you sign looks like you're signing your soul away. So. That is wonderful. <laughs> it is. It's the kind of ink that the devil would use, especially mm-hmm. if you use the calligraphy, the script when you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If, if your if your signature looks like something on the Declaration of Independence, Independence, it works even better. <laughs> I, so, uh, Johnny go and Tim ahead. are going to give me so much slack for talking about pens for so long. Well, yeah, Tim's not. <laughs> Tim, no. Tim's a no, pen Tim, guy. Tim too. will. Yeah. Um, do you, did you back up your paper copies in any way, just in case there was a fire or a flood or anything else? Did you use, uh, like there's a lot of different scanning apps out there. Uh, did you use one in particular? Did you run them into Evernote? Did you, I don't know, feed them through a, a paper fed or a sheet fed scanner somewhere else? Or did you just kind of wish and hope and pray that you didn't drop that thing into a puddle? Uh, I, Started using. I haven't finished it. I should probably finish it. Um, I started using Scanner Pro from Riaddle to scan the pages into my iPhone, and then I at the time I wasn't using Evernote really at all. And lately, I've been using it for everything. I organize the show notes for covered in Evernote um, stuff. I I used to email myself to check out later. I dump into Evernote. I've been really trying to hunker down and. Um, use Evernote as my default hub for random miscellany that I come across throughout my life. Um, so that's where they're probably going to end up. Um, I will say, as someone who has done that before, I will offer you two pieces of advice. One, you're doing the right thing by just throwing everything in there because mm-hmm. it doesn't work if you go halfway. Um, right. I've got my stuff spread everywhere, and I know that I need to – Evernote, if anyone is listening, which no one is, just give us Markdown support. Just give us Markdown, and I will throw everything into Evernote. It'll all be there. I'll adopt Scannable. I'll stop saying nice things about Scanbot, which I have all sorts of wonderful things to say about them. Um, I, but I live about five about five miles from the main office. I can just go and protest if you want me to. Hold up some signs. Do that, yeah. But one sign in each hand, and uh, they'll be like, "Who is this weird looking dude outside?" You just say you're me. We look close enough alike. I, I have. Uh, I'll just. I'll just write some protest signs in uh, in Markdown. I'll just be like, you know, hash. You know, we want markdown exclamation mark, and then and then put some put asterisks around it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and just just print them downstairs in the in the, in the analog lab there at work. Oh, that's a good idea. Over. They'll be like, "Ooh, really nice screen pass posters." We have to pay attention to this now. <laughs> um, the other thing is, you know, that's the only place you could get away with that because. <laughs> Anywhere else, they're going to be like, "Who is this clown?" Well, it's the but, worst civil rights movement ever. When I saw, when I was walking in San Francisco and I saw um, some ASCII street art, I was like, "This is amazing! <laughs> I have found, <laughs> I have found my my spiritual home." 
Uh, I will say, again, nice things about Evernote's scanning ability, too. I haven't used Scannable. Uh, I've heard some pretty good things. Uh, Federico Vitici had an article about uh, using Scannable to put in some uh, receipts for work expenses here on Mac Stories uh, this past week, and it was a a really enlightening article. Apparently, uh, Scannable does some nice things about um, really straightening out and making the scanned pictures look better. I've actually been pretty pleased with Evernote's just built-in scanner within the app itself. Um, did Were you scanning using the Rattle stuff, and then are you are, are you scanning to JPEG or PDF? Are you moving them over? I think they're all stored as PDFs, um, or they will be once they're exported out of uh, Rattle, but um, that, was, that was the plan, is just PDFs. I, I wasn't using it as a... I mean, maybe once they go into Evernote, I can use the OCR, uh, but I wasn't using it as a like a searchable kind of thing. I just wanted to have that backup in case anything happened to the original copy. Do we know it's have... called Riedel? Because I always said Riedel. Me too. But I oh, I it might be Riedel. Oh, I, I have no, no idea. He's the guest. If we're going with Moleskina, we're going with whatever Harry says. If, yeah. if somebody comes on next week and changes it, then so be it. We we respect the guests around here. Guest on. Our show. I I I. <laughs> Could be completely wrong, which is par for the course with me. But uh, I always pronounce it Riaddle. Uh, although John Gruber pronounced Pixelmator as Pixelmator for the longest time. <laughs> Pixelmator so could be anything. <laughs> I like that. I say, Harry, you you have a child, so you should just go ahead and get used to being wrong about things. This is true. Uh, yeah, be, being being married is not enough. Once you have a child, if I've learned anything from dealing with them on a daily basis, it's that I am wrong about everything and I don't know anything at all. You're so old. I am. You are not on fleek. You, you both don't know anything, but at the same time, you learn so much. Like, I I never thought I would be a connoisseur of poop, but I am. <laughs> nah, a connoisseur of poop. Connoisseur of poop. Um, This is the only reason. We, ju- we need to have an IRC channel attached to this at some Let's see, we're not even live, so it won't matter. Um, It's almost as though we should just put up potential titles for the next episode <laughs> and have people come in and vote on them that way. Um. Do you, uh, either of you, how do you archive digital and or analog things? Andy, Harry, do you guys have, like, uh, I, Andy, I know that you're a Field Notes guy. Harry, I'm going to assume, judging by the way that we've all at least semi, semi-acknowledged semi that we are that we have hipster parts to us, I'm going to assume that mm-hmm. you're, uh, a, 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 I'm going to say Kahir and I'm going to say it wrong. Um, uh, Johnny says Kaye, but I yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna assume that you're a small notebook user. Uh. <laughs> I'm not actually. I tried. I wanted to get into field notes. They're nice notebooks. Um, I'm going to go against uh, every better instinct in my body because I'm sure I'll get hate mail. Uh, just word do it. to just listeners, say it. just say it. Word to listeners, don't email me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the field notes. I just I, that size to me doesn't work for for me. Um, I much prefer the Midori, the tra- the traveler's notebook size. I have the taller one, not the passport size. Yeah. Um, I just it, it works better for my my methods and no, you and, know, teach and their I, own. And I completely understand. I I have some some problems with just sort of like the mythos that field notes have taken on just like you know if anybody here is a member of the field nuts group it can get like really intense there sometimes and i just want to be like this oh, is God, just yeah. this is just a stupid little notebook guys <laughs> and it's and like I know- it's like walking into a breastfeeding facebook group like you don't want to <laughs> those people are in their own world and uh, i spend time in field nuts the same way i listen to 
like conservative talk radio and it just <laughs> just pop in to see what they're talking about and then pop well, out. yeah and there, sometimes i can get some good points and some things to think about but most of the time i just do it for the entertainment value um and the, i mean the thing is though is like they're i mean first of all the original intention of those little like you know agricultural field notebooks was to be just a cheap little thing that a farmer can take in a field and you know they give them out because they're they have like a company's you know name and logo on it and they're just like these little commodity things that are just happen to be really gorgeous and field notes yeah. has just taken on a life where you know they're you can buy them for $900 on eBay for some of the first editions which by the way were only like what like 7 years old so yeah and and the thing is is I I mean I still like them just cuz they're still really well thought out they they think about the paper and the material oh, that they're, they're great using thoughts. yeah yeah but but just yeah sometimes and and I totally get just caught up in the fervor of of the actual collecting and using like I I can't I can't lie there I just like I get caught up in it but I yeah but I still like using oh, them anyway yeah all all that fervor over the the what is it, the the unexposed versions? Oh yeah, um, yeah. And it was like, oh, they're neon. I hate this. <laughs> it's it's a notebook. Like yeah. you're you're <laughs> right. complaining about a notebook. Yeah. Don't you have thirty others in a box somewhere? Pick hey, another one. Hey, this is what the internet and I I will admit, particularly Facebook, is for is to you know <laughs> complain about things uh, that don't really matter. Yeah, I bought. I went on Amazon and I bought a set of the because my favorites uh, color scheme wise were the loggers and the ales. So I bought a pack of each, and I ended up. I opened up. I think the ales I was using. Um, yeah. I haven't even finished one, the one one of the three. Yeah. Um, I sent the loggers to Patrick Roan in a care package. I was oh, like, yeah. I don't need these. I'm not going <laughs> to use them. So, and I know he liked them a lot. He had mentioned it in a blog post on the cram. So yeah. I was like, all right, here. Yeah, they're um, Do you, those covers are nice. Do you keep yours when you're done with them, Andy? Do you scan them in, or do you? Um, I need to scan them in. I really should do that. I I do keep them. Um, I posted actually in the field notes group. Field notes group. Somebody was asking about storage, and I um, when I lived in Indiana, I had access to um, really cool cigar boxes. Um, there was a tobacco shop that just sold them for like a quarter when they were done with them. So I picked up a bunch, and I have a few. And I I don't know what style of cigar it's for, but it's in the format where you can just stick probably like 12, 15, three packs of field notes in it. So I just stick them back in there when I'm done. And they take on a really nice, very, very subtle scent of, uh, of cigar then, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I basically just, uh, just stick them back in like in a, you know, use field notes, field notes box when I'm done. Um, but I really should scan them in. It doesn't take too much time or at this point space. So I think I'll be doing that soon. Uh, since I now have um, ScanBot Pro. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I thank you so much. <laughs> no, no problem. That was done in preparation for this episode. I, uh, that is my, that's my scanner of choice. Yeah. Uh, or my scanning app of choice, just because I love how quickly I can get things from sitting on my desk to automatically upload to the cloud anywhere. It's particularly helpful for me if I'm uh, if I've got like a, a handout that I need to make sure that I keep a hold of or permission slips from my students or anything else. It's very helpful at work, but at the same time, if I take notes in a field note, like let's say I have. Uh, I don't know. I've written down some account number. Like my landlord has, my landlord and I have the same bank, and I have to. Uh, I end up just transferring money to his account every month. But I hate having to constantly either ask him for it because he's remarkably absent-minded and not very good at answering text messages on time. <laughs> um, I will um, write it down by hand, which I'm sure is super secure, uh, and then <laughs> scan it in, which I'm sure is even more secure. But 
I can uh, tag it or save it in a particular way through Scanbot Pro that allows me to find it uh, as quickly as I need to. Uh, and again, PDF, I can you know have it in there with the optical character recognition, which uh, Scanbot Pro does by itself. And typically, I add those things to Evernote, so I guess it's double OCRing. I don't know; it doesn't show up twice. Is OCRing a thing? Yeah. OCR? It I, is now. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I, think it's, I, think I like it's, you. You can come back. I think it's entered the vernacular. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have ScanBot Pro. I haven't used it yet. I, I grabbed it for free. It, it was being offered as a free download at some point, and I haven't used it yet, but I, sh- I should open it and, and check it out. It's pretty nice. Have you, um, da- Andy, have you dabbled in anything else in the process, or have you just stuck with the, uh, the, the ScanBot Pro that um, I graciously sent you the link to? <laughs> if you do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. I'm, I'm, I'm quite the wonderful I, and selfless gentleman. I, um, I, interestingly, a lot of the paper, like things I do with pencil and paper are uh, pretty uh, temporal. I, I do a lot of like taking notes on little pieces of paper and filing them off somewhere or throwing them away. Um, I think I, I started thinking about pencils back in the day because I, I was writing lists a lot. So I don't usually write a whole lot of things of consequence um, in these. So uh, things that I just kind of want to think about later. But I, I have been um, t- doing like advance prep for various podcasts um, in here. Um, so I've, I've, I really need to start digitizing them. But yeah, ScanBot Pro looks really good. Um, I don't know if I want to... I think I will put them in Evernote just because it does have pretty good OCR reading. It can read my handwriting decently, which is good. Um, sometimes it gets really wacky, but it's not too bad. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I'll use Evernote. Um, I also have a really large Dropbox account that um, I can just kind of store PDFs there. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't really use like Office 365 or uh, I do use Pinboard, but that's for like public links, things like that. Um, what do you guys use to store your stuff? I think I think Evernote uh, is what we said. Yeah, I uh, I actually go backwards. Uh, well, according to some people, it would be backwards. But I, I will go from digital to analog. So mm. if I'm like about to fall asleep, my phone is always I use my phone as my alarm, so it's always next to me. Um, but I'll whip something out in the Drafts app and then email it to myself or send it to Evernote, and then the next day I'll put it in my Midori, so I'll have oh. it on me. Yeah, um, because I prefer to have it. I prefer to write it down anyway because i retain it better um but i just i feel better having a physical copy of it mm-hmm. uh, and i was trying to find it on the um the cramp there was a there's damn it i'll have to find it later um i can't even remember what it was now because i'm all distracted but uh <laughs> oh well also someone on twitter or a couple people on twitter had asked us you know what do you do with your stuff once you digitize it yeah do you throw it away no i keep everything i oh, i ended up um there's a container store a couple of blocks away from my office and i had a little bit extra money so i went down and i built myself a standing desk for my typewriter and it's essentially two metal legs two tall metal legs with um uh shelves uh slid into it not pegboard but um i can't i don't, there's some there's brackets basically um so this typewriter sits on top and then there's bookshelves underneath and on the bookshelves i have um you know, the printed out first drafts of my, my books, the handwritten draft in the Moleskina. And then I also, when I f- completely finish a book and I'm getting ready to query it, I'll go on Lulu or CreateSpace and I'll have a copy shipped to me. Oh, wow. So if for some, for some reason an agent decides they like my book and then a publisher decides they like my book, I always have a copy of that book. Mm-hmm. 
as the way I originally wrote it, just so I could go back and see what I, I did before edits came in and I had to change things around. Um, so that's sort of like my, my victory lap is I, I print that out. So those sit on the shelf as well. That's a great um, idea. And someday yeah, we, that, that's, that's my someday yeah. when you die, they're going to be worth so much money. Well, yeah, your, your <laughs> lips to uh, deity's ears. Uh, but I, I would love to, to do, like, I think Neil, Neil Gaiman, his notebooks are on display in some museums sometimes. You know, I would love to, to do that, to, yeah. to have my stuff on display. Um, but, yeah, that, that's my little last hurrah for the book. Like, congratulations, you're done. Now here's a, a nice bound copy of it for yourself. Nice. So when so going back just a little bit when you when you take something analog and you scan it in and digitize it, um, how do you index it? I know that you know in Evernote it's searchable, which is just fine. But do you and even you know even in your notebook, um, do you number your pages? Do you use some sort of a system for that? Um, I'm trying to think. With the last book that I number my pages, I think I did number my pages. Um, I don't index anything. Um, I tried doing the bullet journal for my daily lists and stuff. I I couldn't stick with it. I just that's I not how I I, I can't either. I, and, it, and it's not for the bullet journal's fault. It's just my brain doesn't work that way yeah. for long periods of time. Um, I mean, actually, to keep track of work projects, I've been using Asana online. It's just easier to type it in. Hmm. Um, but you know, for for my fiction, I don't index it. Um, scanning it in, really, nothing more than than a tag like you know, Luminous or Wonder Girl or Misconnections. Um, and then maybe the draft number, uh, yeah. but that's, that's about it. Um, same thing with my query letters. Like I, I used to have, um, the mail tags plugin for Apple mail, which allowed me to tag all of my messages. And I used to be like religious about it. Um, and now with Apple's better search capabilities, I don't need to do that anymore. I, I haven't installed the new version or bought the new version. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I'll type in query and then all my query letters pop up, and I can see what I've sent out. And I also keep a Google spreadsheet for that stuff. So. That's cool. How about you, Will? How, do you do you index your stuff? I I feel like I've heard you talk about bullet journaling at one point. Uh, I try. Like the two of you tried to use the bullet journal. I have a couple of uh, field notes from earlier in the year that I you know I I went and I put the index on the first couple of pages, and then every month I try to write a, a new um date. You know the whole daily calendar where you write out the big event for the day and everything else. And it was almost too structured for the way that I use my pocket notebooks. Um, I like to think that I'm more organized, but I have things spread out everywhere. Uh, I have links in Pinboard. I have articles in Evernote. I have articles in Instapaper. <laughs> I'm trying to do so much, so many things, um, much more plain text heavy, especially after the conversation that we had uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'm keeping a lot of files synced in between Simple Note and Dropbox, and then. Don't even get me started with the Google Drive Office 365 stuff. Some of it is work and some of it is personal and some of it is a combination of the two. And I really need to – I need to focus more on one or two particular services, um, particularly those that are either plain text oriented or Google-backed because I am search-reliant. Like I – if I, I I'm one of the kind of people that I will remember one or two words in a particular order that I put in something and go okay let's hope I can pull up this lesson plan or this particular handout because I remember teaching this at one point and I think I wrote this down or I know that Andy and I talked about having this particular article on the episode okay I'm gonna go ahead and type this into Instapaper and hopefully it'll pull up the uh, the exact index or the exact article that I need it's just I am so search reliant that if I leave something somewhere where it doesn't have like fuzzy searching, which I I have moved 
even after we talked about it last I tell you what, that episode we had two weeks ago, the one that was named for Harry and all about Markdown, uh-huh. has mm-hmm. absolutely ruined me for Markdown. I am now doing what I am calling the Andy Wellfleet treatment, and I am giving every Markdown editor I can find on iOS at least two days' worth of a trial. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, move on to the next one. Um, Did you see that editor- IA writer is on uh, Android now? Uh, see, see what you're doing to me. Well, you're at, you're, oh, you're you don't killing. have Android, so it's fine. Well, can you I run do. it on Chrome? On no, Chrome? I do have Android, and my Nexus is. I have a Nexus Seven. That's my oh. small tap. So I have um, sweet. My, I have my iPhone, and then I have uh, a Nexus Seven, and then I'm running things on Windows generally through Chrome. Um, I fell in love with editorial this past week. Um, I can very much see where everybody that preaches wonder th- wonderful things about editorial comes from i read some articles by gabe weatherhead and obviously by, by federico we talked about his book last week i can see why they're in love with it because not only is it a beautiful uh plain text writer and markdown editor but the functionality within it uh and again i'm running the beta so mine can be a little buggy every once in a while but just the functionality within it makes it so much more than a writer but um it, it has the fuzzy search as well, so it indexes all the plain text files I have in one folder in uh, in Dropbox, and it, it's pretty good about that. But again, I am just I'm so search heavy that if something doesn't have a good search, it, it does me no good. I should be better about the way that I structure my notebooks and my tags and my stacks and my folders and all of these things. And it's just it you get so deep into something or many multiple things that trying to organize it and get it right is such an undertaking that I just I. I can't. Harry, I don't have the time. Harry, what do you use for when you write things on your computer? Scrivener, mostly. Yeah. Um, that's where all my fiction lives. There is there is nothing better. I will not hear otherwise. Um, I know some people like Ulysses. Some people, savages, write in Word. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, those people. There, it, is, it is Scrivener or there is nothing else. Um, but for, blog po- for the occasional blog post I write, um, by Word mm. is, is perfectly... Yeah. Adequate. Byword's um, great. I'm a Byword fan. Yeah, it's a great little app. It does what I need it to do. Uh, I I can't I can't drive myself crazy anymore with that stuff. I can't keep testing all these yeah. new apps. You know, every, uh, you know, there there are people I like to follow on Twitter, tech bloggers, um, or Apple bloggers, uh, and you know, every <laughs> new app is like the great, the best new app that's come out. It's like I can't do that anymore. I just yeah. I don't have the time or the patience to sit with workflow or or <laughs> editorial. I tried using editorial and I can't get the upload the FTP upload to work properly. It screws up my my blog posts. Hmm. Um, but and that's probably my fault anyway. So, but I don't have the time to futz with it. So yeah. I I I typically write all my stuff on my computer and then I upload it with um transmit. Uh, we, or and, forklift, not for, uh, transmit, forklift. Andy, um, go ahead and make a note that Harry's not invited back for the workflow episode. Uh, specifically, the GIF workflow episode. The GIF workflow episode. <laughs> I would like to hear about that workflow, because I, I love me some animated GIFs. I have to tell you that I have been thinking about something like this for probably two years now, and I was like, man, I don't know where and how I would ever talk about a GIF workflow, but someday, and then when... Uh, when Will and I started talking about the concept for this show, I immediately was like, oh, man, I have a way to talk about my GIF workflow now. I'm so, excited to hear about your analog GIF workflow and how that works. Are there like weird flip books? Do you do that thing I did when I was in like the fourth grade and draw things in a little corner <laughs> of your notebooks and then flip them like that and then go back and flip them again? Somewhere there's a Kickstarter being started where someone will take – an animated GIF and <laughs> mail you a flipbook version of that GIF. Note to self. 
this is being done right now. <laughs> Harry, how much of a percentage do you want for being? Listen, at least at least fifty. I'll take fifty. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Speaking of Kickstarter, I'll take fifty percent of what Pebble made this week in a heartbeat. Did <laughs> well, you guys see, have you guys seen I, that? I saw no. that. They, oh my uh, gosh! So Pebble, uh, go ahead, Andy. Oh, they're uh, they're releasing a new um, oh a new watch, a new color, sort of like OS watch. Um, and man, they they I can't remember what the original goal was, but they hit. Do you remember? I guess they I hit. Go look they at hit it. a million dollars in under thirty minutes. They yeah. hit two million dollars in under an hour. I was listening to uh, this week's episode of Connected over on the wonderful Relay FM, and when they had thirty-one days left, and it already hit darn near seven million dollars. Holy crap! On the first it's day, it's at it's ten million right now with a goal of five hundred thousand. <laughs> I'm wondering what the stretch goal is there. Like, we make a solid gold one and give it to the Queen of England. Like, is that the stretch goal? <laughs> well, um, well, I'm sure they knew that they were going to get way more than five hundred thousand, so they probably just were probably figuring on something close to this. But the uh, way that some people have couched it has been: this is more of a pre-sale than a help us make this. Yeah, people already trying- have the resources to do this already since they you know produce a product now. So. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to jump into the. I think they're trying to jump into the the watch market before Apple has theirs come out. What well, that was announced today? What? Well, assumingly that was announced today for March 9th. So, so, so what? I, what I used to do when I lived in the Eastern Time Zone um, was we had a tradition at the web agency that I worked at um, that we would get some burritos and at one o'clock we would go and sit in the conference room and watch the live stream um, just as like a little break and break from work and a little fun thing. Um, but now I'm. It's going to happen at 10 a.m., and it's not nearly a time for a burrito then. Breakfast so. burrito. Oh, that's true. And I'm sure you have I don't know luxury chefs there on campus somewhere that would be happy to make them for you and serve you mimosas. So <laughs> make me a, apple mimosas to go with the uh, the apple. Right? Are apple mimosas allowed on the Facebook campus? I have no idea. Well, we all use Apple computers, so. Uh, they just they hand them out like candy there, right? They do, that, yeah. That's, that's the way they was told. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyhow, do you want do you want yours with stickers or without stickers? <laughs> well, oh. we put we put our own. By the way, we're gonna have some kick ass erasable stickers soon. So can I say kick ass? Yeah, fuck it, I don't care. Look, I just said the <laughs> f word. Now we got a mark not suitable for work. Harry, I oh, apologize man. if I've offended your delicate sensibilities. Fuck if I care. Hey, oh, <laughs> see, so, maybe he can come back for the work floor episode. So while we are. <laughs> Well, we are now on a tangent, um, a language tangent. You know, a language. No, I'll, I'll bring it back because uh, at the time of this recording, Apple has announced that they're having a March 9th event to announce the the Apple Watch or to tell us more about the Apple Watch. Yeah. Um, I have absolutely no interest in this device. Yeah. I have no interest in a Pebble. Um, I would go as much as a Fitbit right now. Like yeah. that. That's all I I would want is to track my steps in my sleep. Um, I am trying to wean myself off of the digital stuff and go more analog as much as possible. I just, I, I'm sort of burned out on all. Of I don't want notifications on my wrist. I don't need to know every time I get a text message the yeah. second I get it. You know, if I put my phone across the room, it's for a reason. Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to have that tied to my wrist. Also, I'm very big into menswear and men's fashion and. I wear different watches every day, and I coordinate a watch to what I, you know, the suit I'm wearing. So, you know, for me, one Apple Watch isn't going to cut it, and I'm not going to swap out the band every day. I don't want to have to rely on one watch um, because, you know, if I'm spending 
that much money on a watch. It's something I'm going to want to wear all the time. Yeah. Um, so I would rather just spend the money on actual watches that I can swap in and out and that will last probably a whole lot longer. This grumpy internet rant by Harry Marks brought to you by the Covered Podcast. Uh, <laughs> look at that! See, we're we're marrying it back in there. It's it's it's. Uh, do you? Uh, I'm not going to ask how many times you go off on fun rants on your own uh, on your own podcast. Uh, do you do you ever just consider recording your own verbal grumpy ramps and just unloading uh, like uploading them to SoundCloud for at some point being like, oh, oh you want to know how I feel about Apple Watch? Well, here you go, bitch. Boop, and then just sending the sound clip over. Well, that's because, that's no, what there's, Curious there's, Rat is for. Yeah, there, there's enough negativity on the internet, especially on Twitter. No one needs to hear my crap, uh, and I don't. I don't do any rants on um, on covered. Covered is a very tightly uh, coordinated show. Oh, we are too. This is too. Yeah, this is Co- so professional. <laughs> and I'm not trying to disparage this, this podcast. Every podcast is different, but with with what I do, I all the questions are written out beforehand, um, and I do some impromptu questions on the fly depending on how the conversation goes. But for the most part, I try to have a list of questions ready. Um, but then I will spend, you know, two, three hours editing the podcast down. I'll I'll go in and I'll pull out the ums and you knows and I'll tighten up dead air where it needs to be tightened up. And so we only record for about an hour, but I'll get it down to maybe 35, 40 minutes just, you know, for the listener's benefit and for mine. I want to put out a really, really quality um, show every week or every two weeks. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that that must be nice. Uh, when I started the network, I thought that uh, at least one of the podcasts that I did would have that. And I'm of the I don't know, 13 different podcasts that I'm on on a semi regular basis. I think one of them can still maintain its on the rail status for the entirety of the episode. But I just I don't know the the more episodes that we do. And Andy obviously has um, are you guys at 30 episodes, 50 episodes, something? I'm no, 20, 24. We're only 24 only 24 only 20 well you still have 24 and 24 plus hours more experience on this uh <laughs> th- than i do and uh, my brother and i uh, we've gotten better at this since we've started but off the rails is kind of uh i feel like it's just an inevitability even once i stop drinking as much it's just um it it i would prefer the the podcast that we do to be a little bit more conversational and harry anytime you want to i don't know break from your own format you are more than welcome to be on on any of the podcasts here on this network matter of fact if you ever want to do another one you and i can just you know just sit and complain about shit for an hour because <laughs> no one says that there is enough negativity out there but there's never enough snark no there's not i and and I I love what you, you guys do. And even when you guys get off the rails, it's not you know crazy. But I, I'm I'm talking the the main reason I I wanted to do my show this way uh, has more to do with um, the state of tech podcasting that's out there. Yeah. And the three hour Skype conversations that get thrown up on online. We're talking to with, you, John Gruber. Yeah. And <laughs> John, look, John Gruber's a, a a very knowledgeable, great guy. But I'm sorry, I don't need a three hour discussion about Star Wars coffee and and God knows what else. <laughs> Uh, it's just, you know, for me, I, when, when they leave in the stuff, like, are you still on? Are you still there? What else should we talk about? That kind of stuff to me insults the listener. Yeah. You know, they, the listener deserves better. So if there's something in one of my episodes that I don't think they need to hear or doesn't pertain to the episode, um, as a whole, I'll take it out. And what I've been doing is I've, I've been taking the, the large chunks that I remove from each episode, um, and saving them. And what I'll do is at the end of a, a season, I will put together a lost chapters episode and stitch them all together. Oh, that's a great idea. 
Yeah, we considered doing uh, when when Rob and I first brought the network together, and we started the uh, as of yet not donated to um, Patreon account. We thought that maybe just maybe, depending on how much editing we were going to do, that we would release unedited versions to uh, different Patreon subscribers. But then we realized that a lot of the stuff that we edit out isn't stuff that most people want to hear anyway, because it's "Oh fuck you, Skype! I can't believe you did this," no. or me singing when I don't need to, which happens a lot. What you should do. And this is just me throwing ideas out here. Is no, you should no, have everybody you get me else... in trouble when you show when you throw ideas no, out. No, no, you should have you should release the unedited version to everybody. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, then you get the edited version. <laughs> and then if no one contributes to the Patreon, I don't have to do any They're editing. Like, I see shut what you're doing. There. Up, Will. I'm going to give you, you know, two dollars to shut up. <laughs> I I find it very funny that uh, two years ago I wrote a state of tech podcast or state of podcasting, which is geared mainly towards tech podcasts. I remember, uh, yeah. It was, it was 2013, and one of the things I said was that, uh, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to be more like radio, and all I got was pushback on how <laughs> uh, podcasts are great because they don't sound like radio, and, uh, um, you know, we don't want to be held to these kind of rules. All right, fine, that's great. You know, you do what you want to do, uh, but... Um, nowadays, a lot of the popular podcasts, like Serial or yeah. um, even, and let me tell you, he did a fantastic job. Um, Mike Hurley has that um, oh, behind, behind the, the app. app. Yeah, terrific, terrific yes. show. And on, I can't listen to a tech podcast anymore, but I listened to that because mm-hmm. it was so well produced. Um, but it sounded like radio. It sounded like something you would listen to on NPR. Yeah. Um, with background music and you know seamless seamless transitions from his narration to an interview with a developer, I mean, just terrific stuff. Um, and I would love to hear more of that kind of stuff in, instead of the conversations. But I, I get that you know when you're running a network, it gets very difficult. So you know you to to manage all the different shows, the guests, the the other co-hosts, and then getting all that stuff together. I totally understand. It is it's a lot of work, and you know you're not always going to be able to sit there and edit every single show precisely and then throw it up because nothing would ever get done. Yeah. Have um, you seen some of the nutcases I work with? No. Hmm. Oh, you're hey, talking? are you still there? Are you still on? <laughs> oh, um. I, yeah, you know it, it. It can be a long, complicated thing. It's. It's. I, I feel like the vision for the network is much more conversational. But I completely agree with you that those well-produced, high production value podcasts are the ones that are going to bring more people over to the medium. There's a reason that Serial was a runaway hit, and that's because it wasn't just um, the host and her producers sitting around having conversations about, uh, you know, the. Legal system and guilty or not guilty and, and markdown. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I don't think I heard one solid mention of markdown in that. But <laughs> surprising. Um, I don't. I don't know. I you know to, to each their own. I can see value in each of them. But oh when, yeah, absolutely. I, I I listen to a lot of conversational podcasts. Gilbert Gottfried has a great conversational podcast um, with different old Hollywood uh, actors and writers and stuff. Um, so well, I got to ask you, what's your favorite Markdown app? <laughs> he, you know, he's he's annoying sometimes, <laughs> and you know his, that shtick is very put on. Uh, his voice isn't too far off from that that really <laughs> affected, you know. And here's the next thing, like that <laughs> that that's not totally him, but uh, he, he does it. He ha- he has a great interview. A lot. It's very yeah. funny. I need to listen um, to that. No- I've, I've seen I've seen a lot about it. And then there's another one I listen to, um, and this guy puts out a new show every couple of months, and for good reason. It's the Disney Story Origins podcast. I've David heard Kalo. such good things about these. David Kalo turned me on to this. Man, it is amazing. The the if for those who don't know what the the host does um, is he 
takes a Disney movie like The Little Mermaid, and then he will talk about the movie, the behind the scenes, the story, and then juxtapose that with the original fairy tales. But then he'll throw in a whole bunch of information about fairy tales as a whole, different incarnations of The Little Mermaid or Aladdin. or It's unbelievable the amount of research that goes into every episode, which is why I get why it takes like two months to put one together. <laughs> um, it is terrific. And I, I'm a Disney file to begin with, but it is... Yeah. It is absolutely amazing, and I would I would hope like Disney because he puts in pieces of the movie or songs, you know, snippets so people get um, context for things. Um, and I'm sure Disney has no problem with it because it's just such a beautifully done show. I, I would hope that they would like bring him on as a historian or something. Yeah. He's just so good at it. Yeah, that's what uh, LucasArts did with the um, Wikipedia um, mm. uh, editor. He's he sort of went from uh, editing this this star wars wiki to uh being sort of like the official keeper of the canon of the star wars universe good for that yeah. guy so real quick before we uh start to talk about some things to wrap up um have you um have you taken the uh, new york times test both of you yes uh, the, the one that you <laughs> tweeted us a yes. the, tweeted, the one that you tweeted us a link to i did I'm very disappointed in how well I did. <laughs> uh, me, uh, well, I was going to say, uh, as am I, but I uh, work with the young people every day. And, and They didn't help you cheat, did they? No, I took it at home on one of my 37 snow days from the last <laughs> two weeks. So um, what I'm talking about, dear listeners, if you follow me on Twitter, um, I tweeted out a uh, link to a New York Times quiz um, asking, are you on fleek? Which, uh, as a uh, Dot Grid listener, you already know what that means. So everybody here will at least score one. Um, so basically you go through and they give you a few questions, YOLO, Wrecked Bay, things like that. Um, and you're supposed to answer what the definition is. Um, and I, I am proud to say uh, I scored 11 out of 12. Um, I, I would have scored the other one, but I think I just like overthought the definition. So I misrecked R-E-K-T, uh, which happens, which, which is like when you're, when you're wrecked, when you're wrecked. Yeah. yeah. It makes, it, it makes much more sense audibly see, than I, it does when you see it I actually picked, written out. I picked uh, to puke because I figured, you know, you puke after you're wrecked. So I guess I was looking at the logical progression, not the actual definition. Um, so that that what did uh, what did you guys what did you score Will? Uh, I scored a ten out of twelve. I missed um, the alternate spelling of selfie. <laughs> I I need to run this by my sister who's seventeen. I I'm pretty sure some of these are just sort of like a journalist's view of of what the kids say. And then I missed um, oh, those was Vicodin or Xanax Zans. joggers. Joggers I missed. I don't <laughs> know what the hell those were. I had joggers. <laughs> it was the Xanax one because I was I was thinking more naive than I was like, why do a bunch of young people know what Xanax are? And then I was like, oh right, drug culture. Oh, <laughs> TF TFW. I I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, that, that feel a, when like that's yeah. not even. English. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you have, we you have to look we, at Tumblr a lot like I do. That that happens. Uh, oh, you live on you live on Tumblr. I love. We need to put a, me some Tumblr. Do we have to put a link to your gift Tumblr in here again? Uh, I tell you, you what, <laughs> if you like gifts, Harry Marks, Andy Welfley has a gift for you. <laughs> AndyMated.tumblr.com. Okay. AndyMated. AndyMated. Tumblr. Com is uh, your home for all things it's, it's wonderful all, gifts. It's all OC original content. Bookmarked. Um, though apparently, like it's not. A, I, I I will you know take. Adventure Time episodes and 
and uh, cut them up into gifts. But I not just uh, current things. I have some old um, uh, Rockford Files gifts in there, and I have <laughs> I have uh, you some things. Cagney and Lacey on I there. Cagney too. and Lacey. I have some from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good stuff from old British television too, which uh, yeah. future Andy is a huge fan of. Oh yeah, um, some already oh, beans. Some you have like old Patrick McNee, The Avengers, and stuff. I, I, I somewhere I actually I need to upload it. I have um, from the opening scene where he takes the umbrella sword and he picks out a a, um, a flower. Oh, the and, flower. Yeah, yep. and sends it over to um, Diana Rigg. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, every time I see like a movie that was like the Avengers, I, I get really excited that it's going to be those Avengers. But then it's like the comic book Avengers. Well, you know who the original, the original Emma Peel. Well, I, I don't know if, was she Emma Peel, but the original female co-star on that show was Diana Rigg. Not before Diana Rigg. Really? No. It was on. It was Honor Blackman, Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. Oh. She left to do. She left to do Goldfinger, and then they replaced her with Diana Rigg, who went on to become James Bond's wife. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, you only live twice. I need to. Uh, I need to track down older episodes. I used to just get them from the library, um, and I. I don't think they had episodes that far back. But I love uh, John Steed. Man, he's he's so cool. They made it. Did did you go? Did you anybody of you watch the? Um, oh, the movie they made in the nineties with Sean Connery. Oh, with, with Ray, Fiennes Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Yeah, so, I I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool and and stylistic and and everything. I, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought it was pretty cool. And they kept the original theme song. Yeah, so. that was pretty great. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that was just a, te- a tease of what you will get in the GIF episode. But uh, we'll wait for that. It's right um, around the corner. Um, in the last episode, speaking of other episodes of the podcast, we had some fun day one licenses to give away. Uh, all oh, yeah. of you that came around and commented on the blog with your journaling workflow or how you would use day one, we really appreciate you <clears throat> coming and taking the time to do that. It it warms my heart when my phone vibrates in the middle of the day in my pants and makes me think, hey, that your heart, something. Huh? My heart, yeah. Uh I can feel my pulse. That means it's my heart. Um, <laughs> I It makes me very happy when we get feedback from uh, all of you, even if it's negative feedback, you know who you are, um, about the podcast and the network in general. And I love to get comments on the blog. And Andy and I often race to see who can comment via the Dot .grid podcast, uh, or the Dot .grid podcast Twitter account faster. But it was wonderful to see everybody come in and say what their journaling workflows were, heard from a few people on what um, notebooks they're currently carrying. Uh, we had, before we stopped taking entries on Monday morning. We had uh, about a dozen people come through and um, talk about what their journaling workflows were, and we used the ever-popular amongst blog giveaways random number generator, the true random number generator, powered at random.org, and it just so happened that we pulled entry number one, uh, which is uh, a Mr. J. Ray. Uh, We have uh, the screen cap of the random number generated and his post there'll be a link to both of those in the show notes uh, in addition to a picture of mr ray's daughter with what i can only assume is a homemade hairdo because <laughs> that kid uh you want to talk about on fleek that kid's haircut 100 percent on fleek so uh, <laughs> jay hopefully by the time you hear this podcast either andy or myself has reached out to you um and uh tried to get in touch with you to figure out how we can get you those license codes thank T- you everyone tfw you win a uh a copy of um, day one. Th- that's not how that works. The <laughs> feels when? 
Yep. The feel that you're happy because you're happy when you win a day one license. You're happy. So that's. The I feel. think you used the word when twice. Oh, you're right. That's like, TFW, you win a day one copy. I don't know. Yeah. Jimmy, read I hate what? that. I I hate that I know what these things mean now. <laughs> we just made you stupider. You're welcome. No, <laughs> no, he's more popular, culturally yeah, relevant. Now you now can you talk could, to the kids. Now you can I talk to the kids on the subway. <laughs> I was happy being irrelevant. <laughs> no, you're not irrelevant. You were ignorant. It's different. Do you, do you mean to go ahead and read Jay Ray's um, his comment? Oh, please do, because sure. I, I wasn't going to, but you want to, you can. Yeah. Currently, I do not have a journaling workflow, and that makes me sad. TFW, you don't have a journaling workflow. I take a lot of video and film of my 15-month-old daughter, oh. and due to a recent move between cities, those assets sit in my iPhoto library languishing, or worse, in my wife's sequestered iPhoto library. Our hope is to get all of our photos in a single repository once Apple releases the new photos for Mac. That being said, I have never thought of myself as the type to print books and scrapbooks, so day one seems like the next best thing, especially given the amount of praise it gets from the review sites I follow around. Please help me to build my journaling slash scrapbooking style workflow right from the ground up using day one. I have attached a photo of my daughter to help you realize the severity of the situation. Thanks. Bonus points for vocabulary. Yeah. Awesome. So, like yeah. sequestered severity. Yeah. <laughs> I one, will. One thing uh, I've noticed with um with iPhotos, uh, or with photos like stored in iPhoto that you don't know what to do with, um, and I, I sort of stumbled upon this. I use the so I have a shared album with a couple of people um in my family for our son, mm-hmm. and I set that shared album as a screensaver on our Apple TV, and I find that my wife and I actually go through the photos more when the screensaver pops up and we're watching them scroll by. That's a great idea. That's. If it's present and it's visible and it's there, and day one is very good about that, especially with the the notification center today widget um, that'll pop up old things. It's I really like that you that every once in a while you'll get to see a picture from back in the day. So I um I, I would imagine that that screensaver hopefully um hopefully there's not a whole lot of pictures on there that have to do with your connoisseurism of poo. <laughs> no, no, no poo pictures. Um, those are in a separate album. <laughs> separate album. Don't share, we don't share those with the family. Those uh, I, are... did, I, I, I did want to say one thing because I'm, I'm sure I'll get like nasty comments and stuff online or, or no, who no, knows no what. one's listening to this. Um, well, that that's good. <laughs> so glad I, I took this hour and a half out of my day to, to do this. You just uh, said you had nothing better to do. You I said don't. you had nowhere else to go. <laughs> I, I have to clean. That's about it. Uh, or my wife will hit me. But um, no, I'm kidding. No, uh, you I too. Did. It's okay. I, I did want to say that, uh, you know, I totally understand that um, what you guys do, what Mike Hurley does, um, Federico and everybody, um, Marco Gruber, uh, you know, running a network is hard. Doing a podcast is hard. Doing a podcast every week or every, you know, on a set schedule is hard enough. Um, and I know that they do uh, the absolute best they can Um you know, and especially with like Mike and Federico, you know, these guys are running networks. They've got dozens of shows to worry about. Um, Dan Benjamin, um, so you know, it's it's a ton of work. And while um, you know, it may not be my cup of tea to listen to pod tech podcasts anymore. Those are totally my tastes and have nothing to do. They don't reflect on any of the hard work that these guys do. Um, you know, there there's great stuff out there. So uh, don't take any of my comments as try not to take any of my comments as disparaging towards <laughs> anybody just my personal taste I, it's not my thing anymore i can't do it anymore yeah. um and honestly a lot of that comes down to just how toxic the tech industry is the the industry as a whole is just very like awful yeah uh, i i i can't 
I blocked, I muted so many words today, like Apple or Apple Watch or uh, <laughs> uh, Fleek or uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, any anything having to do with what everybody was talking about. I just I can't deal with it anymore. It's it's too much. So you want to block llama too? What about? Oh man, I was just going to say that. <laughs> what was it? Did you watch the llama chase at all? No, I don't know what the hell is going on with that. I muted Llama for the forever. Like I, nothing mentioning a Llama will ever pop up in my Twitter feed again. I didn't want I'm anything so to do sad. with it. You're lost. Uh, and now there's something about a dress going on. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I, yeah, like, I, I saw there was something about a dress, but I have not seen what that is. But not a cape. No, not a cape. It's a dress and the so colors it's, of the dress. It's, so not the, I, it's not the Madonna cape. It's something else. No, it's something completely new. I, I don't know what Twitter is anymore. Like, uh, this is just <laughs> completely foreign to me. But anywho, uh, you know, everybody on these shows puts in a lot of, of hard work. So uh, you know, it's, it's just my personal taste. I, I'm not into it anymore. But uh, that's I, not to take anything away from what they're doing. I just show up and drink a gin and tonic and talk. I, I, I put no work into this no no i've noticed it's, it's obvious it's you, obvious and you, much appreciated you it in literally and figuratively <laughs> literally phone it in yeah yeah well um all of that being said i do appreciate having both of you on andy on a regular basis and harry i i mean it when i say it you are more than welcome to come back and and chat with us at any given point there are multiple podcasts on this network that if you're sitting around and don't have anything else to do more than likely we're recording one and would be happy to have your input you are um oh just a wonderful person to have on the internet um if people wanted to speak with you on the internet and or keep in touch with your often grumpy internet old man rants, what's the best place for them to get in touch with you on Twitter or on a website or with, I don't know, internet-based smoke signals or something like that? Uh, don't. No. Don't. Uh, Just don't, <laughs> don't correspond with Harry. He is dropping off the grid as soon as this uh, episode is over. Yep. I have a cabin in the woods with a stockpile of firearms. Uh, so that's where I will be. No, uh, you can find me on Twitter at HCMarks. Um, my main blog is still CuriousRat.com, though I haven't really posted there much anymore. Um, typically now it's really just to announce when a new episode of Covered has gone live. Um, I've sort of gotten out of the blogging thing, uh, and that happened when I was writing the last book. I was just That's where all my focus was. Um, you can find me at HCMarks.com. That's going to be my, quote, author site when I'm in, quote, author. Uh, and you can listen to Covered on iTunes. Um, it's Covered with Harry C. Marks. Um, it's a yellowish album art, uh, pretty easy to find. Um, and if you've listened to it and you dig it, please leave a review. Yeah, it's uh, if you haven't listened to it, then it's uh, it's coming as highly recommended, at least by me, for a man who uh, does not speak highly of some well of of some podcasts. It is very well produced. It is very well done. It is by far one of the most interesting podcasts, and that's not just from someone who is a complete lit nerd, but from someone who who is a podcast nerd as well. The work that you're doing over there is uh, is and should be admired. So kudos to you for the amount of work and effort that you're putting into that because Thank you, uh, you. And, you set and, the bar remarkably high. And uh, a big shout-out to Ben Alexander for his network, uh, Fiat Lux. He's doing a lot of great stuff. And uh, Lorenzo Gudemi, uh, who's our sound engineer. So mm. I'll do the, the content editing, but he's the one who actually puts the episode together in terms of like intro and outro music and leveling it and making it sound good. Um, so he's doing fantastic work. I, I cannot thank him enough for making me sound like, you know, not a... Idiot! I'll do the <laughs> making best him I sound can. like not Will Fangy. Right. Well, hey, <laughs> t- 
our sound engineer works very hard to do the things that he does. And <laughs> when this episode is ready to air tomorrow, because <laughs> one of us was held back by a train fatality on Monday, then you will be very grateful that our sound engineer stayed up well past his bedtime <laughs> to do that. Andy Wellfley. <laughs> Um, awesome. Andy, if people wanted to um, verbally attack you like I just did uh, via the internet, what's the best way for them to do that? My Twitter handle is HCMarks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I am at A Wellfley, A W E L F as in Frank, L E. Um, you can get me there uh, or um, find me, find my website, wellfley.com, and it has ways to get a hold of me there. That's true. Um, also, Speaking of podcasts that some of our hosts or guests are on, you can find Andy um, about every 10 days. Is that what we're still aiming for? Oh, about God, I, I have no idea anymore. It's uh, everything. Semi-regularly. Yeah. I, if, we, if we had like advertisers or some, somebody to appease, I would try to uh, be much more on top of this. But we just it's, it's really hard to get the three of us together. Well, you can typically find Andy every once in a while, <laughs> along with uh, Johnny Gamber and Tim Wassum, who is also, if I remember correctly, a fan of the Amazon self-published erotica game. Um, I could be wrong. Um, you can find them on the Erasable uh, podcast, which is at erasable.us. Uh, and as I say at least 17 times a week, I am Will Fangy. You can find me on Twitter at Will Fangy. You can tweet at the podcast at dot grid podcast, or you can find us online at nerduprising.co slash dot grid. We have a Facebook group. It's not a Facebook group. It's a Facebook page ad. I don't know, Mr. Facebook. What, what do we have? A Facebook something? You, you have a page. We have a page. We have a page. You just hop on Facebook and search for dot grid. You'll find us, or you can come to the nerd uprising uh, website and find us that way. Again, if you're looking for show notes, which are always copious and as complete as we can possibly make them before we pass out from drinking too much, those are at nerduprising.co slash dot grid slash four. Harry, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast and dealing with uh, our inane ramblings for more than an hour. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to inanely ramble. <laughs> you're, you're always my welcome favorite here. Thing. Well, that that is true, um, and it's a good thing you do so well verbally because I said nice things about your handwriting and I was lying. Oh well, you're a not, dick. No, not you. No, Andy. <laughs> oh Andy. yeah. Oh, Andy's a dick. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's who we're referring to in the show title this week. <laughs> I don't think Apple will put that one up. We'll just say. Uh, We'll say Andy never has enough snark. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, thank you again so very much. And everyone that is still listening and hasn't turned it off because you're horribly offended, we will talk to you next time. And Harry, I will be out to New York soon to see you. And don't judge a book until it's covered. Oh, sorry, force <laughs> of habit. Oh, God. <laughs> Doc Red, go. Perfect. <laughs>